Hey guys and girls, welcome, welcome to, to Single to Sealed. Sealed. I'm Jerry, your host, and here with me is my co-host and wife, Brianna. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have dedicated this podcast to helping fellow Christians navigate the treacherous waters of dating all the way to the winding roads of marriage. All are welcome in our podcast family, and we are so excited to have you here with us. Be sure to subscribe, follow, or favorite. Let's talk. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to your favorite podcast. And if it's not already, then I'm a little bit hurt. <laughs> it will be by this this episode today if it isn't already. You're going to love our guest today. I don't know if anybody's like me, but I. it's funny that I record a podcast and I tell people, you know, I haven't, I don't actually listen to any podcasts. Like, we record ours and I put it out there and then I want everyone to like mine is the best. <laughs> but I don't listen to anybody else's, so... You guys can be like me. You can you can just listen to this podcast. That would be fine with me. He's biased. <laughs> so today's topic is preparing for the transition to a sexual relationship. And we're very excited to cover this today as a podcast. We've had a lot of listeners write in telling us about their struggles with making that transition and also being positive and excited about this new step once you get married. And so we are really thrilled to be able to dig into this today with Jared. Also, if you guys are enjoying Single to Sealed, again, don't forget to subscribe and to follow us and leave a review because we continue to get good reviews. We continue to get more people listening to the podcast. So we love you guys for continuing to give us your time and support. And also don't forget about the tip jar that is located at the end of the show notes so that you guys can continue to tribute. We know some of you guys have already done so, and we're super grateful for that. So let's hop into that bio. Yep. So here's a little short tidbit about Jared. Jared graduated with a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from Brigham Young University. He is completing a dissertation for his PhD at Texas Tech University, studying young adults' sense of community. Jared teaches an undergraduate communications course at Texas Tech University and offers therapy services at Covenant Sex Therapy, where he helps individuals and couples with sex-related issues, including sexual dysfunctions, unwanted pornography use, and sexual desire discrepancies. All right. Thanks for that, Brianna. Jared, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Do you have anything me. that you want to add to that wonderful bio that you wrote yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I think that about sums it up. So what is your favorite um, treat on a Friday night when you're watching a movie? Oh, favorite treat. That's a good question. I'm, I'm a pretty <laughs> healthy eater. And so I don't eat a ton of treats. But uh, so my go to is I make homemade granola and I, I eat quite a bit of that. Oh, he's too healthy for us. Jared. We never said that the treat <laughs> had to be a cake, right? Like, Good point. <laughs> For Granola some people, treat. Tr your treat, yeah, like there, there's times when I've been at my healthiest when I just like kill for that little like cutie at the end of the day, mm, the little yeah. mandarin orange, and I'm like, mm, that just hits the spot. It's like the perfect amount of sugar when that's all your sugar is. We've been so unhealthy the past <laughs> like two years. Uh, yeah. Jerry was like at the epitome of his 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 health journey when we met, and yeah, I think it's that you know, I don't know, happy. <laughs> Happy couple weight. I don't know. <laughs> She's talking about my dad bought it. <laughs> Your father figure. I'm saying I ruined him, I think. <laughs> you, uh, yes. you must cook good food. That's probably what it is. It's, it's actually really sad it? I don't. Jerry's the cook in our Jerry's relationship. Cook, huh? He is an 
incredible cook. And so I never cook anymore because I'm like, I can't compete with with his cooking. So why even try? Mm. I mean, I'm a decent cook, but I'm nowhere near Jerry's stature in the kitchen. So yeah, so has... Jerry has no one else to blame, I guess. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, our problem is the sweets. Like we can't, mm. Ice we cream. can't not get a bunch of a bunch of sweets and then control it. That's like my biggest issue. Like my sweet tooth is incredible. And I don't know, it doesn't have a shut off. Like I could, I could get a party sized like bag of Oreos and probably eat the whole thing and not feel sick. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I'm not like that, but I do have a sweet tooth. I'm like, I have that 80-20 mindset, right? So I'm going to eat healthy 80% of the time, but I have to have that maybe like cookie or like a little bit of ice cream at the end of the day. That's that's my thing. That's my jam. So the next time I go to reach for that, I'm going to say, if I was Jared, I'd be eating some granola right now. <laughs> so that's what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I think my life may be a little bit more boring. So I think you just keep doing you. <laughs> Obviously not. You've got a great bio. I mean, you're doing some awesome <laughs> stuff there. So no, thanks. you it, can't it, call it boring. <laughs> I attribute it to my granola. Oh, there you go. That's where <laughs> that's where we're missing. This podcast would be like 30% better if we were eating granola every night instead of ice cream, babe. Let's, let's switch that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jared, what what brought you on your journey to therapy? What made you decide to be a therapist? Yeah, well, I actually never intended to be a therapist. I grew up thinking that that would be the last thing that I want to do, like listen to people's problems. Like that was not me. Mm -hmm. But I, so I studied finance for my undergraduate degree. And toward the end of my finance degree, I, and, and my trajectory was I was going to do social impact work. I was working at an impact investing firm. I did a little internship in Kenya working for a little startup. And so it's kind of going that route. And then one morning I woke up with a clear thought in my mind that I would be a marriage counselor. And of course I was like, oh no, I, I would never do that. Um, but then over the next course, over the course of the year, I started actually looking into it and it's like, ah, oh, you know, this might actually be a good fit. Took a really big leap of faith and decided to pursue a master's degree. And in the program, I was like, wow, this is totally me. And so ever since I've been, yeah, I've been doing therapy and, and it's been really fulfilling. I think that's awesome. That is cool. I wish that more people had that opportunity to just have this ding. This is what I want to do. For <laughs> but sure. it's crazy how many people can get to college and almost all the way through it before they figure out what they want to do. And for some people, it's too late. They got to go back and take a bunch more classes that <laughs> they now need for this this job that they've changed their mind to get. Mm -hmm. I had a friend like that in, in college who was adamant that when he started, he was going to be in uh, trying to get to med school. Then his mindset shifted to business, like completely different classes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I got to reach out to him and figure out what he did because I don't even know if he's finished college still. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a big shift. All right. Well, that's going to transition us poorly into our <laughs> our topic for today. So, yeah, let's get going. Go ahead, Jared. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 I'll give a good transition. Speaking of transitions. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of transitions, I've had so many clients struggle with the transition to marriage, specifically having a sexual relationship. In the church, we grow up with messages about sex and we have messages about sex 
from larger society. And, and a lot of these messages make it difficult to uh, open that door up when we get married. Uh, and so for members of the church who don't have sex before they're married, or at least try not to, when they do enter into a sexual relationship, uh, sometimes it can be very challenging. So most of my clients have had a struggle with that. And so after seeing so many clients with this, I thought it'd be really beneficial to talk about a few things that we can do as members of the church to uh, to make that transition. So I've I've thought about this in the context of young single adults who are Christians, particularly members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I think that's the context of this podcast, most of the audience members. And so there are, of course, a lot of these concepts will apply to people who are without that, outside of that narrow group, but uh, that's kind of the audience I have in mind when I talk about these people, members of the church looking for a heterosexual relationship. And so that's that's kind of the context or the the audience I'm going to tailor this toward. But the first thing that I would say that can help people transition to a sexual relationship, probably the foundational component is seeking high quality education. So I don't know about y'all, but when I, uh, I got the talk when I was younger and and I went to my, yeah, (laughs) I remember it. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately. Right. We tried to block Mm -hmm. it out. There are some people who, have open conversations about sex, but but they're very rare. Most people either don't have any talk or maybe have one talk. And so when I was called into my parents' bedroom for the talk, I had no idea what was coming. And so they told me how babies were made. And I was like, what? Like, no, <laughs> I, you got to, I don't know. I, it was kind of blew my mind. You're still yeah. thinking about the stork cartoon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was like, "Is so? What happened to the stork?" But uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, anyway, so we don't we don't talk much about sex ever, and so I think it's very important to learn and and seek high quality information about it. And most people will probably respond to that saying, yeah, but sex probably just comes naturally. You know, it just kind of falls into place. But there are a lot of basic misunderstandings that can create issues in in sexual relationships. Uh, One example is that a lot of women don't experience orgasm from penetration alone. They need a lot more clitoral stimulation. Uh, Another example is a lot of clients come in, male clients who... uh, you know, didn't, weren't able to maintain erection a few times and then they get in their heads about it. And then that makes it worse because they feel anxiety when, you know, in reality that, that happens or erections kind of come and go. So I feel like there's some basic misunderstandings that can create some sexual issues, but uh, understanding them can really help. And there are a few resources that I'll, I'll recommend. I, I think they'll be in the in the description below. Mm-hmm, they will be. And so when we usually seek out books about this, I think a lot of people will read books that have a spiritual perspective to them. And so they, they focus mostly on the spiritual aspect of sex. And those are really great books. And I think they also need a, a practical or a more detailed education so that they can 
learn some of those misconceptions and maybe get a little bit more practical advice. And so there are a few books that I'll throw out. One is You, Me, and We by Anthony Hughes. You, Me, and We is a book. Uh, and by the way, Anthony Hughes is the owner of Covenant Sex Therapy. So he's mm-hmm. he's my boss. And <laughs> and so this book. Little product placement right there. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And uh, no, but it is. it actually is a really good book. And and it's helped me not only as a therapist, but also just has prepared me a little bit better for marriage. You Mean We is tailored to members of the church. And it gives really practical advice. It's, it's an easy read. The other book that I recommend is a book called Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. It's a New York Times bestseller. And it's really interesting read. It's very thorough. It's tailored mostly toward female sexuality. And it is an excellent read. It's it's one of the best books about sexuality out there. And and then the last recommendation I would give is the Dr. Finlayson Five podcast. So uh, you can add that to to the list. Maybe second favorite, Jerry, to this one. Is that okay? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> so, so the Dr. Finlayson Five podcast is a podcast tailored toward female sexuality as well. And she is a researcher and, and therapist who is very knowledgeable in this area. And she's a member of the church and kind of approaches the topic from that context and helps a lot of people with developing a better relationship with their sexuality. So those are a few resources I'd rec- recommend, but definitely seeking better sex, sex education will help prepare you for that transition. Now, I really like that. Like you mentioned, like spirituality as an avenue for sexual health, something along those lines, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, I, that makes me think of a of a talk. I think it's called "Love and Marriage" by mm-hmm. Sister Nelson. Do you know that talk? Um, maybe I'd have to look at it again. Like I, I don't know the quote uh, word for word, but we'll list it in the show notes. I know that there's towards the end she's kind of recapping. Because the whole thing is about um, sexual intimacy mm-hmm. in a spiritual marriage versus, you know, just like a worldly type setting. And she says something to the effect of, like, under the influence of the world, the passions and devilish ideas and things that you might think sex is, is different under this under the influence of the spirit in a God-ordained marital setting. Yeah. And and I think that that's really great. I think that kind of goes in hand with this idea of preparation for having a sexual relationship is thinking of sexual activity as a way to increase your spirituality, which is crazy. Like to me, that's something mm-hmm. I never would have thought of as a kid ever. Like I would just, I, I knew that, I knew that growing up sex was cool and everybody wanted to do it and it felt good. Mm-hmm. But to think of the concept of this is actually something that's incredibly bonding and helping me fulfill like my spiritual needs as well is something that's very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, there, there are a couple other quotes that go right along with that, that, that I'll read in elder Holland's of soul symbols and sacraments talk. He said that you will never be more like God at any time in this life 
than when you were expressing that particular power, talking about procreation. And then Elder Bednar in the We Believe in Being Chaste talk said that sexual intimacy is one of the ultimate expressions of our divine nature and a way of strengthening emotional and spiritual bonds between husband and wife. And so and that's pretty powerful language. You'll never be more like God at any other time. I think you're totally right when you say that uh, it's, it's a spiritual, it can be an extremely spiritual experience. Yeah, and I think that's kind of almost crazy, almost mind-blowing for me because especially growing up and, you know, my parents did the best they could, right? And I think we're only discovering this now in these past I don't know, probably like 10, 15 years, how important it is to be having these conversations around sex and how healthy mm-hmm. it is. Because growing up, when I think back to my sex education, like I mentioned, you know, fifth grade class was about it that I can remember, yeah. at least in my mind. And then besides that, especially growing up in a Christian household, Anytime that, you know, a sex scene came on the show that we were watching, like parents are like, don't look at it, right? Like it's dirty or bad or, um, and no one wants to talk about sex. And then and the only time you hear about sex is in the context of, you know, young women's class or something when they're telling you to be chased and that sex isn't good outside of marriage and, you know, breaking law of chastity. And so like, I feel like naturally you have this idea that sex is dirty and bad and, that, you know, it's not something that we should look forward to and we should be kind of, I don't know, scared of it, I guess, almost to a degree. (laughs) And so I think it's really amazing to hear those quotes because it needs to be a total mindset shift from it being dirty or scary or bad or inappropriate, I should say, to that it's something beautiful and fulfilling and connecting and very intimate in all of those ways that you would desire to have with your spouse. And so I think that's that's really cool that we we can look forward to it in that aspect and to not just look forward to it as something physical or like checking a box like, okay, we're married now. We get to have sex, you know? Right, right. <laughs> but it's something, a, a way to seek more intimacy and be more like God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not only does a better perspective about our sexuality allow us to experience something that's more supernal something that's um transcendent as as a lot of clients have described but it also reduces potential issues that we have for example when we think of sexuality as something negative you know you mentioned a lot of those negative messages that we receive usually we talk about sex in the context of sin in the church and when we associate it with sin in our minds, there are feelings of anxiety and guilt and shame. And when we have those, we won't be necessarily comfortable expressing our sexuality. And so it affects issues with sexual desire and arousal and, uh, you know, lack of orgasm and and uh, pain potentially. And so the, the negativity around it can, can lead to, to several of those issues. Another example of this is I think a lot of females grow up with the idea that sex is just for men. Uh, and that I think is comes from a larger societal idea that's continually portrayed in the media that women just have to placate men's sexuality, uh, men's sexuality is out of control. And that the idea that women don't enjoy sex or sex isn't for them is, is, is not true. And so 
you know, we don't have time to get into to why that's the case and, and the messages that have have perpetuated that myth. I, I, you know, those come as you are and, and Dr. Finlayson Pipes podcast are really good at addressing that, but not feeling like sex is for you or not valuing your sexuality can can inhibit you from developing your sexuality, appreciating it, and and again, can lead into some sexual issues. The other thing that we talked about how sex can be something divine is totally in line with our theology. As we talked about, we, we can feel closer to God through our sexuality. And I, I've had some really sacred experiences in, in therapy. So, I mean, naturally you get really close to people. You're talking about very vulnerable things. But I would say that some of the most sacred experiences I've had in therapy, some of the most spiritual experiences I've had, have been talking with couples about sex. And if you're thinking that's so weird, that's probably because we usually talk about sex as, as something negative, or we talk about it as a, as a in in humor. And but you're you're totally right, uh, Brianna and and, and Jerry that. It's something that is divine and, and, it's, and it's a God-given gift. And, and valuing our sexuality as such can, can enable us to experience that, that transcendence that, that can be there. So how do you feel like the value of your sexuality impacts like your preparation for sexual activity then? Yeah, that's a good question. When, when people think about valuing your sexuality even before we're married, right? Even when we're dating. I think that sometimes we are scared that, oh, well, I don't want to express my sexuality in, in a way that's not appropriate before marriage. And so I'm just going to kind of stuff it down. But I think that if we truly value it as something sacred, then we'll want to use it in a God-given way. Just making that mental shift in our mind will help us to see it as something positive. We'll look forward to it rather than, than fear it and not having that anxiety and, and, and also having that positive anticipation, I think can, can really help us when we, when we are in that sexual relationship. To go along with that, it's important that while we're valuing our sexuality, we've been taught since we were young, like the value of modesty. And I think that guys can be modest too. Oftentimes when we talk about modesty, we just think about girls and they're like spaghetti straps, you know, right. or whatever. But, you know, guys, guys have a, a role and a responsibility to be modest too. Yeah. And I think that's a way that puts us on track to, you know, have these more intimate relationships too is, you know, when we're treating our body more uh, with more respect by, like the way we, we present ourselves or, or clothe ourselves so that nothing is too uh, revealing or out there, I think is also really, really critical because while some people may dress certain ways because they feel they enjoy it, it's not always best, I think, for people who are of the opposite sex who are seeing that and, you know, what it potentially may be doing, you know, in the, in their own mind. So mm -hmm. we can all help one another by by being modest and pushing this idea of you know, one way we can strengthen our sexuality is by maintaining that modesty and honor for our body as something that we can save and value 
for a special someone that comes into our life. Right. Yeah, I, I like that that application of this of this idea that we can we can save our sexuality. I mean, it's it's so good and it's, it's so sacred that we want to save that for someone who will also share all kinds of things with, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, raising kids and going through life with it with a partner. You're 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 saving that piece of of sexuality for a, a person that you can have a, a holistic relationship, right? Like uh, not not fragmented relationships, but but share all kinds of intimacy. And and so I like that the idea of 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 saving that for for that type of relationship. And the other thing uh, about modesty is I yeah, I, I think that it shows that we value our sexuality uh, for ourselves. Uh, like women aren't, they, they don't have to take care of men's sexuality or, you know, make sure they don't get aroused because men's sexuality is, is out of control. But, but I think uh, even, even more so they're, they're dressing modestly because they're valuing their own sexuality and, and they want to use it mm-hmm. in, a, in an appropriate way. So I think that idea is super important. Like the reason we do modesty is for ourselves yeah. and not, and not for other people. Yeah. It's a really big deal because in this situation, we don't want to be blaming like the way that men think for the reason that girls should dress and, and vice versa. Right. Yeah. There is uh, plenty of history and culture that has kind of shown that the idea that men don't have control of their sexuality and, and women have to 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 cater to that or, or, or often they're the the negative result of that of that sexuality is. Uh, unfortunately, something that's been part of our, our our history for for a long time. So one of the other big ones is uh, setting healthy expectations for sex. So I I think that we we grow up not talking about sex very often, and what we do learn about sex is is Brennan, like you said, sometimes we're watching a movie and a and a scene comes on and our parents try to shelter our eyes you know and <laughs> and, a, and a lot of people also learn about sex through pornography and and in fact I, I think sometimes people seek out pornography or or are more curious about pornography when they don't know about sex because like oh I, I this is interesting I don't know much about this and so they they learn about it that way the problem with learning about sex through pornography though is that it's fantasy it's it's not realistic so it's, I mean, it's lacking the emotional closeness of having a, a partner again that you suffer with and go through life with and feel so emotionally bonded with during sexual activity, and and it's it's definitely lacking that, and it's it's also lacking imperfections that people have, and like other forms of media, leads to a lot of body issues, for example, and you know sets us up for false expectations about about sex because we are imperfect people it can be awkward and uncomfortable and so yeah one one recommendation i would give to those who uh view porn or or have viewed porn which to some extent is probably all of us whether purposefully or, or inadvertently you know i think we've all whether it's 
something online or whether it's just a, you know, something that comes up during a movie or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I think that we should realize that those movie scenes, those images, those videos are, yeah, they're just not realistic. It's, it's Hollywood. And so not, you know, knowing that that isn't what, uh, what sex is, it's, it's very limited and in some ways unrealistic helps us to, to set better expectations. And, and again, I think part of how we can do that is through seeking high quality sex education through, through books and podcasts and stuff. I think one of my favorite examples of what you're talking about is like how many movie scenes are out there of like this guy that just picks up some random girl from a bar and then they go all the way home you know, start kissing at the door, break down the door, you know, and then they, they go at it and the scene's over. And you're just like, man, that was crazy. It's just like the whole transition from there to there. And, you know, I think most girls like would want to be more freshened up, would want to be more presentable. Most of the time you probably have to go pee. And it, it just seems so yeah. convenient. Everything they do makes it so convenient to make the situation seem more like intense than it is. We always mm-hmm. laugh at like Grey's Anatomy because I've I've been watching through all the Grey's Anatomy episodes and seasons <laughs> about how these mm-hmm. doctors will just have like sex and then <laughs> in like two seconds and then go back out and they're just out their merry way doing rounds. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, just, like, it's like it's not like that. It just definitely isn't like that, especially with somebody that you're intimately and appropriately involved with. It's it, it sets that unrealistic expectation just in the day to day, like TV shows and things you see, and right. really if that's your expectation you know, going in, like, no wonder you'd feel so worried about how your sexual activity is going to be because you're like, well, what if I can't be like that? Like, what if you're expecting your very first time to look like that scene? To be like orgasmic and mind blowing and just the most incredible, you know, thing ever, otherworldly type thing. And I, I think it's important to set expectations too that, you know, you might not be graded at the first time. You might not be graded for like the first couple years, you know, sometimes right. it takes time to figure things out and to find what you like and what you don't like and to learn how to communicate effectively with your partner and you know all of those things come into play and I think it's healthy because I know for myself going into our marriage I had super high expectations for myself and for my husband and like that things are going to be you know wonderful right off the bat and (laughs) our honeymoon was was a real struggle bus (laughs) yeah (laughs) poor Jerry um it included a lot of tears and like emotional breakdowns because I thought there was something wrong with me. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like if we are more prone to having those open conversations about sex and about expectations like you're talking about and about how maybe it's not going to be perfect the first few times, or the first few months, and it's okay. It's okay to figure things out. Just like with anything in life, it's going to take a little bit of work on both sides to get better at it. It's a skill. I mean, sex is a skill. I mean, it's intimate and beautiful and all that, but it's also learning each other and setting those healthy expectations that it's okay. It's okay if it's not perfect and it's okay to work at it. So I I really think that's also important. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, I, 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 I really do think most of us think that, oh, we'll get married and then it'll be just like the movies and it'll yep. be super easy and... <laughs> And and that yeah, for most people that's not true. I I remember, I I was on a cruise once with for a company, and I, I heard I don't know why we started talking about this, but a lot of the couples were sharing what their honeymoon was like, mm-hmm. and 
they all they all had breakdowns like that too and and that's how most of my clients have been too and so unfortunately i think that's that's pretty common and and i think part of it is there's just like so much pressure on the honeymoon we have to have amazing sex and i mean you're anticipating it your whole life and mm-hmm. and you're going to so, do it for every 5 minutes for the next 24 hours <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what you think it's going to be like. Or you tell your, well, it's hard because you spend your entire, I guess, engagement, especially like, okay, we're going to have sex, like counting down the days, like two months, right? Like, right. and then everything's all, no holds barred, right? Um, And then all of a sudden everything's okay. And I, I, Jerry and I had this conversation right after we got married too, because it was a really weird transition because you like make out, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like intimate in the ways you can be. And then all of a sudden right. everything's allowed and, and you're expected to go from zero to 100 overnight is what your expectations for yourself are. And so Mm -hmm. we ended up just saying, you know what, like this should also progress organically. Like you don't just go from kissing to having sex in one day with most relationships, I guess nowadays, maybe you do, but (laughs) like that doesn't feel as natural. And so putting that pressure on yourself that like, as soon as you get home from the reception, like you're going to seal the deal right away. Like that's not, that's not healthy. I don't think either. So I know for me, like it, like it, it still felt like I was doing something wrong. Yeah. Like it had turned around so fast that like she said, it was just, it was allowed now. Like I've been going for so long again with that image and expectation that this was a bad thing that I had to stay away from that. It just didn't flip a switch and turn like naturally to me. So, you know, if you're, if you're anyone that's experiencing, you know, some of these thoughts already of everything that we're talking about, just know that if this time comes for you, that that it's, it totally happens to a lot more people than you think. And the fact that nobody knows this is because nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to talk about their stories. Nobody wants to say what Brianna and I just said about our own experience because you feel shame. You feel shame that that happened. But just like Jared said, like he has clients all the time that are talking about this same issue. So you know, it's, it's, you're not alone. And so we're hoping with this podcast and this information that that people who are listening can gain that better understanding of sexuality and what it means to have a good um, sexual relationship so that this transition won't be as hard because it wasn't that way for me. And it wasn't that way for Brianna because we didn't have that, that easy transition. We had this, this expectation that most of us are having who are listening right now. So besides reading books and, you know, doing your own research that way, what are other ways that you can help fix this unhealthy expectation right yeah that's a that's a really good question and i mean the fact that so many of us experience this difficult transition is exactly why i wanted to talk about this how you know how can we go from zero to 60 in a healthy way how can we prepare how we can beforehand and so yeah education certainly helps valuing your your sexuality certainly helps too to, to try to mitigate the shame that you feel when you do open that uh, relationship up again. But obviously, you know, as members of the church, we're not encouraging you to make that transition slowly before you get married, because we're, uh, you know, we have standards that we're trying to abide by. So I think your, I think your recommendation about making that transition slowly after you get marriage is a great idea. I would also like to mention that we have to realize that among this culture of people who save themselves 
uh, for marriage and try to be chaste and modest, you're a different, it almost feels like a different breed of a lot of the people that live in the world today. Like you have to realize that a lot of things are happening to you at one time that most people your age have already seen in, in several different aspects that, that you have not. And so I just, I, I remember the earliest account of some of my friends, you know, being or having sexual activity with the opposite sex being since middle school, you know, even in some cases, elementary school for that matter, which is crazy that something like that has happened, you know? And so some people, even before they get to this part where they're being with somebody for an extended amount of time, you know, they've already had even the opportunity of being with, or have had sex with multiple different people, you know? So you're not in that same situation. You're, you're in this situation where that can also bring you comfort in the hope that, you find somebody who also hasn't been intimate with someone else. So it makes it even better that neither of you should have an expectation for each other because why would you be super good at something you've never, never done or thought of in that expect in that way? Like it just, it's just not going to happen as much as you think you'll be a, a superstar. You probably won't. <laughs> I, I think that it's important to add that even for those that have had sexual experiences before getting married, because you know, we all make mistakes. We all have pasts. Uh, there's something very special about having that physical intimacy with someone that you have been sealed to before God and that you have made that promise of eternity with. And I would hope that you decided to take that step of an eternal marriage with someone that you fully trust and love and that loves you fully for who you are. And it's okay to be vulnerable and unsure of things, especially in front of someone, maybe if they're more experienced than you are. Because you have made that special, that special covenant and commitment to them. And, you know, you have all of eternity to figure it out. And so I think that's important to seek out in a partner before you get married is someone who you is patient with you and that you see those, those important traits, I guess you could say, in someone in a partner that loves you and trusts you and is patient with you. Because Jerry was like the most amazing patient husband ever through figuring everything out because I mean guys have a little bit easier than girls I'm not trying to say they have everything easier than girls in the sex aspect but I mean it's a little bit more straightforward with guys than it is with girls and so (laughs) um, you have to find a partner that's patient and loving with you and I mean we've talked about having another podcast for this about how to discuss it with your significant other's sex even before marriage but you know, having those conversations and everything and setting expectations with them as well. So, yeah, I I would also second that look for someone who you can be vulnerable with and and open with someone that you can really trust. And you can kind of feel that out when you're dating because you are experiencing lower levels of intimacy with them. You are maybe hugging, kissing, holding hands, uh, you know, being, being close in other ways. And, and, uh, and so you can feel out, can I be vulnerable with this person? Can I, can I trust this person? Are they respecting my boundaries? Are they seeing me as a person instead of an object? I feel like I can communicate my desires. And, and so those are, those are all things that you can feel out while you're dating that will help you find someone who you can have absolute trust and confidence in such that your sex relationship is is safe, it, such that it's emotionally safe for you. So I think even with finding a partner that you can be vulnerable with as well, something that really helped me 
in the stages preparing to be intimate with my husband, like leading up to the wedding. And then afterwards was having a friend that I trusted that I felt close with and comfortable enough with to talk about sex with (laughs) and someone who was experienced. So whoever that may be for you as a man or a woman, it really helped me to have someone that had a positive outlook on sex that I could talk about sex with. And so uh, I would call her if like I had questions and she would explain some things to me and, you know, I could tell her things that had happened and ask for her advice and I felt comfortable doing so. And I feel like that really made me feel, I guess you could say supported because I had someone that supported me in it. And that was a girl who understood exactly what it was like going through that. So I would recommend whether that be your mom Maybe it's your mom, I don't know, (laughs) or like a friend that's already married or like a sister or someone that you have a close relationship with that you can go to, I guess, to bounce ideas off of and to ask questions with without feeling like you're being judged. That was something that really helped me throughout all that transition. Yeah, thanks for that, Brianna. Also, on a side note, if anybody hears the cutest little baby grunts, it's because our baby Raven's in the closet with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She decided she wanted to come in the last part of our podcast and she won't go to sleep. So we're finishing up with Raven. So our special, special guest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that's pretty much going to wrap up our topic for today anyways. And Jared, is there anything else that you'd like to add just to kind of in closing summary, some final comments on what you think these people could hear? What is one thing you'd like them to take away, like the main thing from this podcast? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's, it's been great to talk about this. And, you know, so we, we talked about a few things that can help you with that transition to a sexual relationship, seeking high quality education, learning to value your sexuality, and also setting healthy expectations. So there's a lot more that we could talk about. There's a lot that we could talk about in terms of making that transition with your partner and, and what you can do together. There's all kinds of things that that we could talk about. I think what's helped me the most is learning about some of these things on a really practical level. And so I I think if there's any one recommendation I would give, it's to find some good information, whether it's a book or a podcast or something that shares thorough enough information so that you can feel more prepared. So that's, that's probably the number one thing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. I, I feel like in today's world, there's a lot of, of course, worldly and unhealthy things out there, but there is a lot more access to this type of information. I feel like something as simple as even like looking at a diagram of like male and female genitalia is very helpful <laughs> and because I, you know, we don't get exposed to that, I think, as much as we should, at least in sex education classes in Utah that I experienced, it wasn't as touched on as much as I think it should be. And so... Yeah, it's even just finding someone, like you said, like on social media that has like a healthy and very almost clinical view of of like sex that they can explain that kind of things, those kinds of things to you is very helpful when you're totally new and don't really understand a lot of what's going on. So I, I love that. I just want to end with a final note. I know we've mentioned this a couple of times in previous podcast episodes, but one of my favorite quotes that my mission president said, I when he was doing a training for us in the mission was he said that one of the main thing reasons why Satan is so angry is because he will never get to go to his son's 
little league baseball game. And he's most angry because he doesn't get to have a family like we do. And one of the most beautiful things that we get to have here on this earth is a family and get to bring children into this world. And Satan doesn't want us to have happy families or successful marriages. And so he attacks it any way he can. And one of the ways he attacks it in our culture, I feel like, is through intimacy and sex and making us think that it's not something that it is, it's, it is, which is beautiful and wonderful and a way to connect with your spouse and a way to bring children into this world. And if we can change this mindset that we have and have a healthier mindset and a love of something that's so beautiful, that's a gift from God that we receive from him, I think it will change a lot about our preparation for marriage and our marriages when we are married. So just like Jared shared today, just think of it from a holy and special and beautiful perspective. And you can start changing that perspective today. This is your sign in this podcast. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Brianna said. Is And you know how Jerry feels about perspective shift. If, if you listen to this podcast, you know that's my favorite word is perspective. And how important it is for us to change our perspective to be more in line with God. And the more that our perspective is more in line with God, honestly, the more our perspective on everything just becomes so much better. All right. So before we finally conclude this podcast, uh, Jared, how can people reach out to you if they want to contact you? Yeah, they can email me at jared at covenantsextherapy.com. And they can also, if they're looking for therapy or would like a little bit more information, they can go to our website at covenantsextherapy.com. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Everything will be linked below in the episode show notes. And we are so grateful for you tuning in for another episode. Thank you so much. If you enjoy Single to Sealed, be sure to invite your friends to help our podcast family grow. If you haven't subscribed, followed, or favorited, be sure you do so you don't miss out on any of our great content. Thank you for joining us today as we help you move one step closer to sealing the deal. We'll We'll see see you next time. time.